Welcome to another episode of the CC Podcast Conversations, where inspiring Christians share their faith-filled stories. Please take a moment to subscribe to this podcast, leave a five-star rating, and write a review. This helps push our content to a broader audience. Are you new to listening? Check out our other podcasts. First, the CC Podcast Daily Dose Devotions, where we're walking through the Bible, focusing on short clips of Scripture. Second is the CC Broadcast, where our weekly radio programming is archived. These podcasts are available wherever you're listening or at christiancrusaders.org. Okay, let's get started with today's episode. Here's our host, Matt Reister, the Executive Director of Christian Crusaders. Hey, everybody. It is 2022, January 3rd. Andrew? Yeah. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you, Matt. Good Christmas. Yeah, excellent Christmas. Yep. Nobody always. can see this, but you're wearing an uh, ugly Christmas sweater. We had a little late gift exchange around the office. That's right. Yeah. Our uh, One of our other announcers, Terry, uh, she and I get each other ugly Christmas sweater. This is the second year in a row, so it's, it's becoming tradition now. So, uh, yeah, mine's got mine's dinosaur one with uh, spikes on the arms, and uh, hers is, is a... Uh, a hilarious Christmas tree one with tinsel wrapped around the arms and a tinselly Christmas tree hood. So very nice. Oh man, excellent. So today we're going to preview the interview that that I had with Carl Renfro and Alicia Detterman. You knew Carl from previously. Yeah, uh, Carl and I both uh, went for a while to Prairie Lakes Church here in here in Cedar Falls. Uh, we got to know each other through there. We actually had uh, two kind of uh, funny little connections. Um, we have the same birthday. Oh wow! Yeah, like uh, exact same. Except, well, no, no, no. He's he's a few years younger than me, but okay. Uh, yeah, so both of us March twenty first. So we we called it the three two one club, uh, three twenty one, <laughs> um, and uh, and then uh, we both also also share a love of of Pablo's, um, the the local burrito place in town. Yes, sir. Uh, which is a favorite of yours as well. So yes, uh, yeah, we uh, we we bonded over those things in addition to to you know both being on the the worship production team at Prairie Lakes. So yeah, I've known Carl for a while. He's a good guy. And so you set up this interview, and I'd really never met him before. Turns out that I know who his mom is, yeah. and I wasn't sure what to expect going into this other than I knew that they were both associated with a well-known national, if not global, ministry called the International House of Prayer down in Kansas City, and I didn't know a ton about the International House of Prayer, but uh, I know a lot more now and am more impressed with it than I was even before we had the conversation. Definitely. Yeah, I, I actually ran into Carl a couple of months back at Pablo's and we caught up and, and he said he was involved with, with IHOP uh, now and that he was engaged and his, his uh, fiance was a part of that. And, uh, and so I said, you know, that oh, I'd love to hear more about it and, and talk to him just briefly about it. And I said, you know what, if you're going to be around and in town, this would be a great topic. I think people would really enjoy hearing about it um, with, through the, the conversations podcast. And, and so yeah, just and and listening to the to the conversation that you had with them, uh, I I think it was it's great. It's people, um, I think don't really know what to expect when they when they kind of hear the International House of Prayer and and even kind of read superficially what what it's about and what they do and and you know wow okay praying and music twenty four seven since nineteen ninety nine or whatever it was. That's crazy. I mean, literally 24 hours a day. Yeah. I asked him if there was ever a pause, and he said, like, if the music paused or if there's, like, a little transition. They even have a way of how they get the previous group out and the yeah. next group in. That was fascinating. And so he said, no, I mean, not one pause 
in the way that we mean it for 22, 23 years. Yeah, exactly. It's crazy. And he mentioned, I think he said he was, he was 11 years old when, when it started, uh, <laughs> the, when, when, when the current, uh, uh streak or, or whatever it is started, uh, it's been going since he was 11 and, uh, and now he's a part of it and, and incredible doing that worship. So yeah, no, it was great. And, and I was, I was also really impressed and, and really interested to hear, uh, sort of how both of their backstories, uh, both of the things that they've both dealt with, with a lot of th- things, a lot of, of, of us and a lot of our listeners, I think have dealt with in their own lives, um, you know, abusive relationship or mental health issues or, or, you know, things like that. Um, really serious things, but um, it's interesting to hear how God worked through those and both brought them to the same place, brought them together. Um, I, I really enjoyed hearing. We had an interesting conversation during our interview about the role of spiritual forces in yep. mental health and right. in physical health, which was interesting. We also talked about some theological things regarding, uh, you know, how spiritual different things that go on in our lives are. I thought that was fascinating. What I appreciated most when I went on their website and when I talked to them is really how grounded everything is in Scripture. What makes me nervous when we get into these kind of ministries where there's a lot of feeling and Holy Spirit, which, I mean, the third person of the Trinity, so I'm not going to defame the Holy Spirit, (laughs) but sometimes it becomes very subjective. And when you hold that up against objective truth of Scripture... Uh, that's all legitimate stuff. And it's crazy to consider spiritually what's going on. And I thought Carl and Alicia in that ministry as a whole seems to have that down pretty well. Yeah, I think so too. And, and I was like, like you said, I was encouraged to hear that and, uh, and to, to see kind of for myself through this interview. And then like you said, through uh, researching a little bit on their website, which we'll have, have that in our show notes, um, you know, just exactly how, um, you know, how, how really grounded and how really solid uh, they are and their organization is too. Yeah. So, hey, Carl and Alicia, thanks for stopping through on your Christmas break. And uh, everybody else, enjoy this interview. Should be a good one. Hey, everybody. Matt Reister with the CC Podcast. Thanks so much for tuning in today. Today, we've got Carl Renfro and Alicia Detterman, recently engaged, according mm-hmm. to Facebook. Yep. Like within the last month? <laughs> Two months ago, yeah. Two months? Uh-huh. And so how'd that go down? It was really cool. Um, there's a spot up in Maple Grove, Minnesota that uh, kind of meant a lot to Alicia. Um, she spent a lot of the time there talking to the Lord, um, and we visited it last year. I was like, that's it. That's the spot. And it just waited, waited, waited for the right time until we visited in October. And uh, I went there, kind of set things up, set the scene, um, decorated it, and had her dad take her for a walk to that spot. And um, she walked the rest of the way. And like I proposed right there, it was really cool. So where is this spot or what's special about it? Well, it's a dock that's near my parents' house where I grew up. I just would go out there a lot, have a lot of special moments. So that's awesome. Carl made it even more special. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. <laughs> yeah. Talk with the Lord, talk with Carl. I mean, mm-hmm. yep. that's good. Uh, today is December 28th. Obviously, not everyone's going to be listening to this today, uh, but we're in this week between Christmas and New Year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
And for us, the church where our office is is shut down for the week, and uh, it's kind of quiet around here, but it's a good week to get a lot of work done. You guys are traveling for Christmas and agreed to show up, and so yeah. you're headed from where to where, and what's going on? Uh, we were we first, so we're from Kansas City. We traveled up to Minneapolis area, uh, spent a week there, and then came back down here to see some of my family. Um, they're kind of scattered around, so just we just came from my mom's. She's like an hour east of Cedar Falls. Um, and we've also been kind of visiting my sisters here and there in the area. So cool. Yeah. And good Christmas. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you're from Minnesota, Alicia. Yep. Mm-hmm. And Carl, you said you moved here like in second grade to Cedar yeah. Falls, uh-huh. Iowa. Yep. Uh, what would you do before that? Where I was born in Sioux city, Iowa actually. Okay. Um, and was there until 95 and I moved here in the summer of 95. Cool. And so here we are, and your kind of claim to fame, Andrew Nordstrom, who's our tre- technical director, yeah. knows you from Prairie Lakes Church. Prairie Lakes Church mm-hmm. back in the day, yeah. And uh, he just said, "Hey, I've got this buddy from Prairie Lakes who's working at International House of Prayer in Kansas City, which I obviously was familiar with, very well known. And uh, he's going to be through here in Christmas time, and so let's sit down and talk to him. So we're always mm-hmm. interested in talking to folks with." interesting ministry backgrounds. I think our tagline for our podcast is inspiring stories from interesting Christians or something like that. So <laughs> yep. I guess maybe the, you know, the challenge is on. Yeah. This better be interesting. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so International House of Prayer. Um, I guess let's back up before we get to all that. I want to hear each of your kind of faith story. Sure. How, how did you come to the point where working at the International House of Prayer would even be on your radar. Mm-hmm. Who wants to start? Okay. Well, I'll start. <laughs> uh, well, for me, my parents are believers. They got saved in the Jesus movement. So oh, wow. I grew up knowing the Lord. Um, I think my... I want to cut you off right there. Sure. The Jesus movement. Yeah. Did you watch the documentary yet that's just been released called Jesus Music? No. So it's basically a history of contemporary Christian music. Okay. Like Michael W. Smith, Stephen Curtis Chapman, Mm -hmm. Amy Grant, DC Talk, and it tells the story. Michael W. Smith was in Cedar Falls last May for a concert, and I was able to interview him for this podcast. Wow. And uh, he mentioned that a documentary was coming out in October called Jesus Music, which is a documentary that covers, I rented it from Amazon for four bucks, whatever it was, and just watched it last week. But contemporary Christian music had its roots in the Jesus movement, which started out in California. Mm-hmm. So talk more about your parents' connection to that. Do you know much about it? I, you know, I can't say I know much about it, but I know that it came to the Minneapolis area, an expression of it. And they were both from a Catholic background, but really met Jesus during that time in their late 20s. So That's awesome. They became believers, got married, and... Here I am. That's awesome. <laughs> so go ahead. Sorry to interrupt you. Yeah, no. Um, yeah, so I I grew up in a Christian home. I, I would say my faith really became my own, though, during college. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of went through a crisis, you know, rebellion, selfish phase that really made my life dark. Um, just a lot of depression, oppression. Um in a dark place and in that moment is when I called out to the Lord um, just when I was at my lowest and 
I felt his presence. I felt um, something that had been on me leave in an instant and um, found a Bible, started reading the word um, and just really met the Lord again. But it was different. It was Hmm. it was a. I never knew he could be so merciful and so kind, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. you know, to a where'd sinner like me. Where'd you go to college? University of Minnesota. Okay. Mm-hmm. And do you talk much about your darkness or that time? I mean, are you willing to talk about that? Like, yeah. In, in uh-huh. more depth? Like, okay, w- sure. Like, what was going on? The reason I want to ask this is because I never know who's going to listen to this stuff. Yeah. Uh-huh. And there might be somebody who's in the middle of that right now. Yeah, for sure. Uh-huh. Or who has a daughter or a son or a granddaughter or a grandson who... Maybe you can be an encouragement to him. Okay. So talk a little bit more about that. Certainly. Yeah, I I would say I entered college with this idea that I've always been associated as a Christian. Always, Mm -hmm. always been um, labeled in that way. I just want to see what it's like if I'm not. If I don't tell anyone. Mm -hmm. If I don't go to church. If I just finally live my own life. You Mm -hmm. know how. It can feel that way in Christian homes, like your parents' faith has to become your own. And Mm -hmm. I don't know if it was yet. So um, I think that what I experienced in college is the the hand of protection that was on my life. I I wanted it gone and I suffered the consequences of it. So I I just um, experienced a lot of depression um, pretty early on, um, but also made terrible choices. You're just out partying and stuff. And yeah. Whatever. Uh-huh. And I think probably the most, um, the, the thing that gave me the most consequences from that season was a relationship that ended up being an abusive relationship. Mm-hmm. So that left me with quite a lot of brokenness and mm-hmm. hatred, hatred for men, hatred for, myself Mm -hmm. um just locked up in shame and um for a while i wanted to get out couldn't get out Mm -hmm. and then my my academic life was just kind of in shambles failing classes and Mm -hmm. you know having nightmares and just couldn't find any peace when were you at the u um it was 2009 to 2013 okay yeah did you end up graduating yep Mm -hmm. with what degree so I graduated in 2013 with a Bachelor of Science in Human Resources. But then I actually went back for one more semester because I was really close to finishing my music program. That's right. <laughs> so I also got a Bachelor of Arts in Music. Very talented musician from what I've been told. <laughs> so talk more about just being released from this time of darkness. Yeah, I I would say I probably got to a point of being suicidal because I couldn't see a way out Mm -hmm. and I was kind of at my last at at my wits end I guess I'd say um and I think during that time I I did believe there was a god Mm -hmm. I I think I um I believed he was there but I was convinced that he hated me and he didn't want me that I made a choice to turn away from him and he didn't want me back um, because I deserved where I was. I deserved mm-hmm. it. Um, and so it was kind of a, like, in my desperation, I thought, I don't care if he rejects me. I just have to try 
to reach out to the Lord. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I remember being in my bedroom one night and I, I just, I just was feeling so desperate, so broken. And I just said his name. I just said, Lord. And in that moment, I, I really did feel the presence of the Lord and I mean, I, I really relate to the prodigal story, um, you know, when it says the father saw his son from a long way off, mm-hmm. ran out to meet him. And, and I feel like I was that son. I'm so far off still. Like mm-hmm. I, I have one little Lord in my heart, but hadn't repented and hadn't, you know, done so many things that I need to do to make it right. But I just in that moment felt the mercy of the Lord. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm still here. I still love you. I'll still take you. And When do you think you were saved? Do you think you were saved as a child growing up in a Christian home or in that moment or later or before? Or Sometimes yeah. I wonder if we can even know with certainty when we were saved, you know? You know, I don't fully know. I do have memories of, of loving the Lord, seeking the Lord when I was young, when I was a child. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes I, I really do think that I, I wouldn't have necessarily lost my faith, but I know that I met him in a different way. Mm-hmm. So it's hard to say. Mm-hmm. Like at, at that time, I feel like I, I understood my depravity and his mercy in a way that I hadn't experienced before. Mm. Um, so... Yeah, I don't. Which, which one? I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah, cool. <laughs> which time? But so you get done with college. You yeah, ha- you've had this encounter in the valleys or the shadows of right. life, whatever. Yeah. The Lord kind of receives you like the prodigal father. Yeah. And then is it just up and to the right from there, like growth spiritually? Yeah, for the most part. I mean, some bumps along the way, especially as I'm healing from, mm-hmm. you know, just some trauma. Mm-hmm. Um. But I, uh, fortunately, I had a sister on the same college campus that I was on. She Biological was, sister? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She was doing the medical school. So she's four years older than me, but we ended up in the same Brainiac. same college at the same time. So, um, so she's a believer. She was praying for me a lot. She brought me to church. She actually is the one that got me... Um, familiar with what the International House of Prayer is. And she took me to a conference that year. It's called the One Thing Conference. Um, So that was my first exposure to the International House of Prayer, even the concept of corporate prayer um, and the power of the Holy Spirit. I would say I I found that that year too. Um, Where were you going to church in Minneapolis when you were going with your sister when she was in med school? I started going to a small church on campus. It was called Sojourn Campus Church. Cool. Yeah. Um, Very cool. So then got introduced to IHOP, mm-hmm. went to a conference. Yep. And then? And then I um, actually ended up doing a six-month internship there at cool. the International House of Prayer. I went to the conference and I said, oh, my goodness, these people know the word and they love the Lord. And he's so adored here. That was kind of my first impression of IHOP. And um, and so I decided after I was done with college, I wanted to spend a season there. And I didn't know what it would be like. I, I really just was like, I want to decompress from college and just read the Bible, mm-hmm. <laughs> just get teaching. Um, and so I went there for that. Um, but then 
the Lord kind of had other plans. I, I, I just, my eyes were opened to a lot of things when I was there. So cool. Mm-hmm. I'll give you a break. Let's go to Carl. Sure. So yep. tell me your story. Uh, so like I said, I was born in Sioux city, Iowa, um, into a Christian family, believing family. Um, my parents were kind of new believers when they got married. Um, I think my mom is more of like Lutheran background. Um, and my dad, Catholic background, but kind of just left that behind when he was 18. Um, but then when they got together, they um, were kind of making new vows to the Lord. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they had my older sister uh, in 85, and then me and my twin sister mm. um, in 88. Um, and we were going to a church that was a non-denominational, uh, non-denom church, um, across the river in Nebraska. Mm-hmm. And they were, I would say they're actually kind of a charismatic fellowship too. Mm-hmm. So that was like the first church I went to. Um, and they would, they had an amazing band. My dad was the drummer. Um, and they were just this style of band that they flowed together so well and, um, so that made a huge impression on me, mm-hmm. um, even as a kid, seeing my dad in the drum cage in the corner, just crazy musicians, singers on the stage. Um, they would also have corporate prayer meetings like weekly on Wednesday. Um, so I didn't even realize, remember all this until I got to the house of prayer. Mm-hmm. Um, I was like, wow, this is in my history. Mm-hmm. Um, but we, uh, my parents, like our family, we just had a rocky dynamic. Like it just didn't go well. It was a strife and stuff in the home. Um, they did their best with what they had. And, um, I did my best as a little kid, but they ended up divorcing when I was six and my mom got a job at UNI, um, in Cedar Falls. University of Northern Iowa. Yes. Yep. Um, so that's what brought me here in 95. Okay. Um, so what did she teach? Uh, she, well, she taught at the, at NU high school. I Um, knew Renfro sounded familiar. She was Dr. Sharp Renfro for a bit. Dr. Sharp is her name and she taught music and choir linda linda sharp yeah yeah hmm. uh, did she ever play organ at nazareth yeah okay oh yeah she i don't know her organist. well but i know of her yeah cool. so um and that's kind of why my i have a crazy history of attending churches in the cedar valley because she would like that was part of her job mm-hmm. like, she'd play organ here play organ there um so actually like once i got to cedar falls it was like i went to so many different churches mm-hmm. it was like part of it was trying to find the right place for us but also because it was her work right um so yeah i mean i'm i went to st john's um i did go here um early on in nazareth mm-hmm. um i did the kids pro- i did wings yeah um, memorize a bunch of bible verses I just i mean i was there for a short time that's the thing i was i hopped <clears throat> everywhere um i was a monarch i think i made it to monarch in second grade <laughs> and that was it before we went somewhere else but um so yeah, we moved with my sisters and my mom moved here. Um, did kind of the travel back and forth between Sioux City and here for visitation until my dad actually ended up moving here to Cedar Falls and okay. they, they tried to reconcile um, and it didn't work. Hmm. So like then as well, my dad lives here now, but they're still divorced. Well, at least we don't have to drive to Sioux City back and forth. Mm-hmm. Um, in the meantime, he's going to Cedar Valley Church and I decided to start going there. And they had a whole crazy thing happen at the beginning of like 99, 2000. They had a, you know, just wild split happen at that church. And mm. so it's like, what is going on? Like, where do I belong? What, um, what's my community? Mm-hmm. You know? um, so I'm kind of grown up 
going to I went to Price Lab School mm-hmm. and you um but I had my own issues. I had like I was depressed as a little kid. Obviously like a lot of stuff went wrong early on, so um I'm in the shambles. I end up going to like different behavior places. Like I went to Four Oaks and Cedar Rapids. Mm-hmm. Lived there for nine months. Did you actually do stuff like law breaking? Uh no. I it was more like depression yeah uh, i had like kind of ocd stuff i gosh i think i even picked up tourette syndrome for some time when i was hmm. a kid it was it was crazy so i was very medicated a lot of mm-hmm. a lot of kind of stuff um uh, finally after a lot of treatment came back just came up in the school system still not sure of a church home like i, I ended up going to trinity wesleyan church now the trinity bible church um kind of fell back in with my old friends from nu and they were going there uh, but that's where I started playing music. Um, was at Trinity. Um, so Jeremy Good. Oh, Jerry Good. He was my first worship leader. He good was, is good. He's great. Good is great. <laughs> that guy is amazing. Um, he was my first worship leader, and I like learned. That you like played for? Yeah. Or with? Yeah. Yeah. So my friends wanted to start a punk band. I was like 13. I was kind of getting into guitar, doing lessons before that. But then they're like, "We're guitar players already. Like, we need a drummer." Um, and I'm like, okay, I'll play drums. Like, I guess my dad was a drummer. I can probably do something. And it, it like worked. I was actually like pretty good at drums, like <laughs> automatically, like, all right, cool. <laughs> I guess I'll play drums. And, um, so at that same time, I'm getting into punk bands and stuff outside the church, but I was also playing in the youth group at Trinity in Genesis, uh, with Jeremy Good and, uh, some of the other, like one of the guys in my band too, like he played guitar, David Woods. He's yeah. a realtor here now. His brother Ben uh, yeah. works at this church. Yeah, yeah. So Ben Woods, I was David was my best friend for a long time. So, huh. And I was his his drummer and he was a guitar player and stuff. It was pretty cool. Cool. Um, so yeah, I played for a few years at Trinity um, Youth Group, big church. <laughs> I still call it big church. It's for grown ups. But then uh, out of high school, um, I got connected with Prairie Lakes. Mm-hmm. Um, I. I had another friend who went to, it was First Baptist Church. Yeah, downtown. Um, and then it did you, turned into... Have you driven by it? They just it's leveled gone, it. It's gone, isn't it? Just this last couple months. That's crazy. Anyway, sorry. Yeah, anyway, yeah. Change, stuff changed. That's what I find out every time I come back and visit Cedar Falls. Like, what's different this time? It's, yeah. It's just growing. It's, anyway, um, so I played at Pine Lake Camp, played <laughs> drums for their, their youth camp, and just ended up playing for their youth there. Um, and then in high school ministry, and then I was in their college ministry in the river playing drums. Um, I did a lot of ministry stuff here. And I'm remembering, like, I, I was a youth leader at Chaos mm-hmm. for one year. Um, I did, I don't think I did Big House, though. But I just, I've been all over the place in yeah. Cedar Valley. That's kind of what I'm trying to illustrate. Like, yeah, I yeah, yeah. Just, I've been, had a part in so many different churches and ministries in this, in this city. It's, it's wild, but. I learned something from everything, you know, it yeah. was like, well, it's, it's the Lord. Like he leads how he leads, you know? Um, but Prairie Lakes was like my longest running. Like that's where I was like, okay, I think I've found my spot. Um, and I learned a lot drumming there. Mm-hmm. Um, cause they had, they were kind of pushing for more like structure and more like, I don't know, they were taking cues from Willow Creek in Chicago and yeah. stuff. Um, everyone was, at everyone that time. was. Yeah. That was like, wow, Willow Creek. <laughs> yeah. Um, so they, I just kind of like, like I learned to play to a metronome mm-hmm. at, at Prairie Lakes and like running tracks and things like that. Like that was like, whoa, 
oh, can I even do this? Like, I don't even want to. I'm, I'm good enough on my own. Like, kind of. <laughs> and then I found out I wasn't good enough on my own. <laughs> like, oh, I, I don't keep time the best. But, um, yeah, it was, I learned a lot there. And then when they started kind of doing more campuses, I uh, hopped over to the Waterloo campus in, like, I think 2011, mm-hmm. 2012, and um, was there for a little bit. And then, I don't know, I just kind of, like, felt to back off. Like, I just kind of want to re-examine, like, the Cedar Valley and, like, what churches are here and stuff. And I uh, went to Redeemer Church for a little bit. That's, yeah. that's kind of where I actually started with the Reformed. Um, yeah. Kind of looking at Reformed theology, Donovan too. Donovan Santa Maria. That guy is awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I was there for a little bit, and then I was like, well, let's see what else is going on. And about that time, I was, like, feeling to move to Colorado. Because um, that same friend who got me to Prairie Lakes lived in Colorado. Mm-hmm. Um and he's like, we need a drummer. Like, that's what gets me to move places. We need a drummer. Like, okay, I'll go drum. Or, uh, it's like, why not? I'm a single guy, and I've been living in Iowa most of my life. Like, let's try out Colorado. Um, so up to this point, I was still um, dealing with depression, dealing with this heaviness that would not leave me, no matter what medication I would use or therapy, counseling. Um, what did that look like from a ministry leadership standpoint? Were you kind of like trying to hide that or just kind of put on no. the ministry face? No, or? I didn't hide it. Okay, anyone. that's um, cool. I was actually very open about that kind of thing with people and even publicly on Facebook. I would talk about that stuff. Oh, wow. To the point where I look back on those posts now and I'm like, I don't know if I would have, I would <laughs> share that now. Like this is better for like one-on-one conversation yeah. with a brother or a yeah. leader or something. But either way, it still fulfilled a purpose. Yeah. Of like now everyone knew what I was going through. And fast forward later, I have this encounter with the Lord and I'm healed. And mm. like, so I, I'll get to that in a second. But, yeah, great. Um, so I moved to Colorado and it's just, like, all right, another city. Cool. Um, You're in Denver? In Denver, Colorado. Mm-hmm. And I joined a church called Bloom Church. And it was started by the Gungers. So like Mark Gunger, uh, Michael and Lisa Gunger. Okay. So they they had like a lot of hits in like the late two thousands. Uh, like beautiful things was like their breakout okay. album. And, yeah. Okay. Um, so they started this congregation that was very liturgical, and hmm. it was actually pretty cool. And they set up the, um, they they rented out a basement from by the time I got there, um, and they had a communion table in the center of the room, and then the band around the communion table, and then the chairs around the band facing inward. So it was mm-hmm. like in a circle. It was really strange, but it was cool. Mm-hmm. And they had a big emphasis on communion every service that they had. And, hmm. um, it taught me to play quiet because <laughs> uh, there's no cage. I uh, I will blast everyone out of that room if I don't change what And I'm you were doing. saying off the recording when we were talking before yeah. we started this that you did a bunch of punk stuff, which was yes. a little bit louder. Heavy music. <laughs> Not just punk. Heavy. Like, I I hit hard. I mean, people who knew me from Prairie Lakes knew how I drummed at Prairie Lakes. Like, mm-hmm. I was, I hit really hard. Um, but I had to kind of learn to shift that and maybe not use sticks. Let's use hot rods and like brushes Mm -hmm. and things like that. So, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so I was there, but while I was in Denver, because it was legal, I fell into using marijuana a lot. Mm. Um, at that point I was really, I was just tired of being depressed Mm -hmm. and it's like, this thing will not get off of me. It's been almost 20 years of this thing that's on me. Um, kind of had some ups and downs, like experienced freedom briefly here and there. Um, but it would not leave me. And 
in Denver, I just decided to medicate with drugs and I'd already been drinking some alcohol here and there, but drugs were what I wanted. I wanted to be out of my mind. And, um, it was so weird playing, being a church drummer and attending church, but still like, I've got this drug habit now outside of it. And did you feel like it was wrong? Yeah. I mean, it was legal. Yeah. I still felt it was wrong. It, yeah. it was like everything that I'd learned and cause it's not legal in Iowa and it was definitely never legal in Iowa. And I, it was like dare program drugs are bad yeah. Christian community. Like that's, you know, so Taboo. that, that followed me like that was that conscience was there. Um, when I was getting into it, but it's like, but it's legal so I can do it. And, mm -hmm. uh, Denver, like places like that, they have such a challenge pastoring that. Like, how do you, like, it's such a crazy issue. Yeah. Like, well, the law says it's okay. Um, I like how, so obviously I was still seeking out, like, is this okay for me to do? And I'd talk to the pastor and at least the pastor at Bloom, they came up with, if there's anything that would separate you from your relationship with God that would get in the way, then we don't recommend it. Mm -hmm. And that's what I found marijuana did is it would hinder, it would dampen my relationship and my communication with God mm -hmm. every time. Mm -hmm. um, I actually remember one moment because it, it's so funny, the things we do to justify our behavior and stuff. Mm -hmm. I was uh, in the room where we normally would smoke and we'd watch TV and play video games. And Just in your apartment or whatever? Uh, in our, a house I lived in. Okay. Um, and uh, me and my roommate, we would put on worship music and videos and stuff and then smoke to like feel better about it to feel better about it and like justify it and it's like see we're you know no. <laughs> <laughs> it's not okay um but i remember doing that once i was alone and i was like trying to talk to the lord and i i just felt this like his voice tell me i'm not going to enable you wow it was like a gut mm. punch like tough love yeah i'm not going to enable you that's good stuff and, <laughs> And from that point, um, I stopped with the worship music. I'm like, all right, fine. Like, I'm, I turned from him kind of in that, at that moment. You mean you stopped playing or you stopped listening to it when you're smoking or what? I, I just turned away from, like, the trying to, like, justify it with worship music. And yep. it's like, well, I'll just listen to all the other stuff I want to listen to then. Yep. I'm not going to try to. Now, yeah. go back. And, again, I, I mean, I'm not trying to pin you down. Yeah. But, like, yeah. when would you say you got saved? Yeah, because um, that is something I wondered after all that happened. It's like, mm -hmm. when was I actually saved? And I still think I was when I was a child. Mm -hmm. And I was very sincere about it. I mean, I was at that first church in Sioux City that I was at. Like, I was weekly, every time they'd have an altar call, I was like, yes, I want Jesus in my heart. And I'd mm -hmm. go up over and over and over again. <laughs> like, I, mm -hmm. and I, he, I feel like he put it in me from a young age to just know that he exists. I still, real. I was just part of a Christmas Eve worship service online with a group of families that we do that with. And the pastor basically gave an opportunity for people to receive Christ. Mm -hmm. And every time that happens, I mean, I'm following right along. Yeah. Like I've been a believer a long time, mm -hmm. but it's, and I don't, it's not like, Oh, I got to make sure this is for real, uh -huh. but it's just like, why not? I mean, I'm not like raising my hand and going down front, right? but it's like, why not just reaffirm You this? sign up again. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, really we ought to do that every day. Yes. It's daily. It's repentance. It's a. It's a lifestyle. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, so anyway, you're in Colorado. Yeah. You, you decide. You feel this separation. Yeah, this distance. Kind of a line that he drew. And, and you're kind of like, all right, then I'm going to back away a little bit, and then what? Yeah. Um, I continued in drugs. I was looking for more. I started using mushrooms and just want to be out of my head. That's it. Mm -hmm. And, um. Just like Alicia said, I felt his hand of protection lift off of me. 
So that's crazy. That's like Romans <laughs> one. You know Romans one gave me over to right mm. that stuff, yeah. and I was injured more. I had more weird stuff happen with my car. Um, just incidents happened when I lived in Denver for three years than any time in my life. Mm-hmm. It was like yeah, any good fortune that I would have had. I mean, it's, it's the Lord protecting me. It, it was like, he lifted it. And I, I like broke my hand. I, I just like, I got hurt so much. I, it was crazy. Um, the enemy wants to kill us. Like, mm. He's steal, kill and destroy. And he had more of an open window, I think, but God still, he obviously, he preserved me. He, he protected me, but it was like, I was getting injured, hurt more. Um, bad stuff happening with property and car and just, it was scary. Can you speak to that stuff from your life? Like a, a hand of protection being lifted? Yeah. I, I mean, can you identify with what he's saying in your own story? I can definitely identify, uh, maybe not so much getting physically mm-hmm. injured besides, you know, what I mentioned about the relationship. But right. um, I... Yeah, I actually had my place broken into um, some little things like that, too. I don't know. So um, I want to take a rabbit trail right here yeah. mm-hmm. because people listen to this. Um, and and I, I was telling you off offline that theologically, kind of, so first of all, our ministry doesn't take a real strong theological position on the negotiables. You know what I mean yeah. by the negotiables? Yeah, sure. I yeah. mean, tertiary. Yeah, gifts, issues. predestination, free will. Mm-hmm. But obviously, sure. I have my own kind of personal yeah. theology. Mm-hmm. Um, a little bit more, um, maybe skeptical years ago of gifts. Yeah. And I didn't know what a cessationist was versus continuation. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we're talking about like spiritual gifts, you know, being still present and relevant today. Does yeah. God still gift Christians with the same spiritual gifts that we read about in scriptures? Mm-hmm. And the reason I mention that is because what you're talking about kind of gets people who yeah. are continuationists also, I think, have a, a more sensitive. Um, what am I trying to say? Uh, they're more sensitive to the Lord's work in their life, the spirit sure. in their life. So somebody might, and the reason I'm bringing all this up right now is because what you just mentioned, somebody yeah. listening to this might be like, wait a minute here. Man, he just got unlucky for a while. This is weird. Yeah, don't don't attribute that stuff to the Lord. Yeah. Like, um, and and I can hear people who I know who, are, who, who would say, let's not over-spiritualize everything. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, that's fair. Like you just said, like uh-huh. maybe maybe you're unlucky for a while. Or, I mean, bad uh-huh. stuff happens all the time. It doesn't have to be because the Lord you're lifted His in a protection. Crazier city, or you're a stoner, so you're clumsier. And or, or as the bad. result of sin, just yeah. garbage happens all the time, and you yeah. just had a, a stretch of bad luck, yeah. or just the stretch of consequences of sin. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and I'm I'm actually not making that accusation because oh, no. yeah. I I do think. Another thing while we're talking about this that I want to bring up, bring into this conversation is you, you described um, something on me yeah. spiritually. Yep. You described a little bit of oppression, Alicia. Mm-hmm. Um, I think all that stuff is real. Yeah. Uh, I think that there is a large portion of the Christian world who maybe has some questions about it. Sure. I think when it gets talked about, there's sometimes it's talked about in a way that's not biblical. Yeah. 
and there's other, but but because we can hold up the examples of unbiblical example, uh, unbiblical over spiritualization, mm-hmm. doesn't mean that there isn't this stuff. Yeah, uh, you talk about depression. Yeah, same thing with you. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've I've often wondered, and this is unpopular to say, and I don't want to say it so that people mishear it. I think I think there's such things as depression that are real mm-hmm. and clinical. And like brain chemicals, right? Yeah. But I think I think that there are diseases that are really diseases. Like it's just biological anomalies yep. or whatever. But I also think yeah. that there are op- there are times, and maybe we can't discern which is which, where this stuff is straight up spiritual. Yeah. yeah. And so when you're going down the road of mm-hmm. I was smoking weed and then the Lord lifted his protection from me yeah. and I broke my hand and I these things, the window of, of Satan's who wants to destroy us. Yeah. That window was maybe a little more open. The Lord ultimately preserved me. But you're obviously referring to spiritual forces of yep. darkness yeah. uh, interplaying with your life. Yep. And Demonic oppression. And, mm-hmm. and I, I thought we would eventually get to this because I know that IHOP, International House of Prayer, you know, would kind of be of this bent where this stuff is real and we're yeah. praying against it. Yep. Yeah. How do you navigate that? Like in, in your, in, yeah. how do you, how do you understand all those things? Mm. And honestly, part of it is me asking the question for my audience. Part of it's yeah. me asking the question yeah, for, I, I'm for just sure. interested in your take personally. Uh, do you have any particular questions? Like, uh, help narrow it down. Spiritual oppression in mental health, uh, spiritual oppression in physical realm yeah um you you broke your hand like how do we know i don't blame that on the devil okay okay i'll sit Um, go ahead go ahead mental health um one thing that i i believe about um the enemy is that the enemy is an opportunist Mm -hmm. um like the bible talks about that he left and to wait to come back to another for more opportune time right when he tempted jesus yep um I do think that there are things that we that are not initiated by the enemy. Honestly, I think I'll just say most of it is not initiated by the enemy. I think because we are in the world that we're in, it's fallen. Um, We deal with fallen things. And I think the enemy comes to breathe on it and multiply it and make Mm -hmm. it worse. And for me, I had for years been making choices that led me to where I ended up in Denver. And I think that was permission. Hmm. I think it works as permission for more mm-hmm. um, to come. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think by the time I was in Denver, I just had stuff piled on me. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's not all them, but I, I think in the Bible we have examples of like infirmity leaving as a spirit. Mm-hmm. Uh, For sure. Like Peter's Mm -hmm. uh, mother-in-law. So let me just stop you right there. Yeah. We're doing on another podcast other than this one. It's called the CC Podcast Daily Dose Devotions. Mm -hmm. We're doing a daily Bible overview. Yeah. And we started May 1st, 2020 in the Old Testament. Did like 450 episodes through the Old Testament. Cool. And then we just turned the page like three or four months ago to the New Testament. Okay. And so I've been in Matthew. I'm in Matthew 23 right now. Just Ooh. section by section, day by day, six days a week. People can check that out wherever you're hearing this podcast. You can go listen to it. 
we'd love to have you follow us and, and dig into God's Word. But there is, without question, sicknesses, physical infirmities, and um, mental condition. You think of the, the yeah. demoniac uh-huh. who's running around the cemetery or the all crazy-like. Yeah. I mean, so there's literally things that we see today. Yes. Like I, when I did that devotion, I was just thinking in a, in a new way about when you go to some of these big cities, and it's not just big cities, yeah. but for whatever reason, there are, are crazy people. Yeah. And and I don't want to be so calloused as to say, I don't, I don't know what It's callous. all just demons. Or yeah. yeah. Or, or, or so like broad brush strokes. There's layers mm-hmm. to things. Or to put myself out there as some expert, like I know that that crazy guy is demon, because I don't right. know. You don't, we don't know. Uh, versus he did too much LSD uh-huh. when he should have been following the Jesus movement with your parents yeah, yeah. <laughs> or yeah. whatever, you know what yeah. I mean? So help us unpack all that. I mean, that's what it's we're talking about, so right? We are living in a world that is constantly interacting with the unseen. Mm. Like God is spirit. Like God the Father, He's a spirit. He made the natural world, and He married it together. Mm-hmm. And that's what humans are. We are spirit and we're body. Like we were designed by God to exist in both realms. Mm. So we're interacting with it constantly, and uh, like it's there's just gonna be at every area, every level, wherever there's gonna be play between the two, mm. and that's the enemy like they just they do what they do we don't always know who where what when like what it is like he's doing what but that's why we talk to the holy spirit we talk to the lord we ask him what's going on here mm-hmm. um and he gives us strategies in his word for how to deal with that stuff mm-hmm. how to pray and um and we do the best we can listening to him and following his leadership mm-hmm. so but yeah i don't know that's my thought you got anything to add to that Yeah, I I mean, I think I would say the same thing, that there's interplay between a lot of things. Sometimes it's hard to draw a line and say, this is this, this is that. Mm -hmm. Um, When it comes to mental illness versus demonic oppression, really hard to tell because I 100% believe that there are um, mental diseases and um, issues that are just as real as a physical injury. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I would never say, you know, like you're saying, bl- blame it on the devil. Right. Um, but I can speak to my experience. I would call what I experienced to be demonic oppression versus, I mean, versus I, what? Versus um, depression, although it had those symptoms. Mm-hmm. I think I more would describe it, like Carl is saying, as oppression. You don't historically, you didn't historically deal with. I didn't depression. have a long history of it. It yeah. really was concentrated in that time of my life, um, and my experience was that it actually lifted off of me. It was like. Like I had a weight on my shoulders and someone came over to me and lifted it off. I felt physically different. And the fruit of that over the next few months is that I was filled with joy. Hmm. I mean, I I would say in that season, I lacked all of the um, fruits of the spirit. And one of the fruits that, that really became prominent after that experience was joy. Awesome. I mean, I, I was, 
I was laughing, especially in any church service, worship service, but I'd just be overcome with laughter. That's something that can happen sometimes. Um, when experiencing the Holy Spirit, you know, we call it a manifestation of the Spirit. Mm -hmm. Um, but, but I really did have that experience. It was, it was a stark contrast. It was night and day. Mm -hmm. And the, the, the point it changed was that point of deliverance. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's why I believe it was demonic oppression. And I actually did not get to that conclusion. Like when I was in that season in Colorado, I didn't say this is demons, this is whatever. Yeah. I just was like, I'm depressed. Mm-hmm. And I would actually get mad at people who would try to tell me it's spiritual or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like I, I was like, no, interesting. this is a chemical thing. This is like, I've had this for so long. I've been in treatment for it, whatever. I was diagnosed, blah, blah, blah. And it was after I moved, I moved back to Waterloo in 2018 because uh, I was living in Waterloo for a bit before I moved out there. Um, and I actually came back asking the question, how much of what I'm dealing with is spiritual? How much is a clinical biological thing? Um, so I was actually like trying to find that out because it's like this medication has not been working for me. All the things I've been on, the counseling, the therapy, um, I am still where I am and I'm actually worse than I've ever been. So Hmm. what is the deal here? And so I actually started exploring the Bible and even like the Bible app, like different reading plans for spiritual warfare. I'm like, I'm going to go in on this. Mm -hmm. Like if this is spiritual warfare, let's figure this out. Let's do this. And it, my experience was, so uh, kind of back up. I moved back. Um, I started a couple months later serving at the, at I Hope. That's in yeah in Waterloo or at the old Vineyard Church. Yeah, yeah. Um, or by U Haul. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Medical clinic. Uh-huh. Yep. Uh huh. Yeah. They they used to do medical clinic. They don't they don't do that anymore. Okay. Yep. Um, at this time they were kind of discontinuing that. But again, my sister Casey was here. She's my twin sister, and she was a singer there. And she's like, we need a drummer. So <laughs> I came back and I gets you every time. Uh, drummer. Um, so I, I start, I, I meet with them. I kind of have a meeting with some of the leaders and it's like, I'm, as I look at it now, I was very oppressed and just my talk so discouraged, like negative. Um, but in the end I decided like, all right, I'll, I'll serve here for a bit. I've got nothing else to do. I'm just kind of at the end of my rope. Um, and that was the season where I started reading the Bible more and like, like looking for what is the deal behind my depression? What is this? Is this spiritual? And, um, started reading Bible plans more, finding prayers and things like that. So one night, like a month after I started serving at IHOPE, I was in my room in the basement and reading through this plan that had like a prayer. It was like a deliverance prayer or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had been kind of looking up like, what are demons? Like, are, are there principalities? What are those? Th- things like that. Mm-hmm. And I found one that and I don't know how legit this site. I don't, I don't know. I still don't know. But it described a principality by name that kind of seemed like, oh, that feels like my struggle. Mm. Um, and I read this prayer and it like, I used that name that I found. I just don't want to say it. I don't care to say yep. demons name. I don't like talking about demons. Yep. Um, and that moment I felt something lift off of me. Hmm. Right. And I still don't know what it was. It wasn't a magic prayer that did it. I don't, at the end of it, after a year, I'm like, was it just because I started seeking the Lord more? Mm. What was it? And, but in that moment, I felt it was the feeling of like, say you have a cinder block on your chest for a long time and then someone takes it off your chest. Hmm. That's what it felt like. So that same thing that happened to Alicia, that happened to me uh, years after it happened to her. Mm-hmm. And from that moment, for months after, I had no depression symptoms. I was filled with joy. 
I could feel like I could sense the Holy Spirit a lot more and listen to him, hear him more, not like an audible voice or anything like that. But mm-hmm. it just was like, it was easier to be a Christian for a while. That's a really <laughs> crude way to say it. It was just it's easier so to true. follow the Lord. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was fun. And like reading the Bible was more enjoyable. And um, so, yeah, that that experience is what led me to see mental illness differently and not just say it's all biological. Because clearly there was a, some element that, it was cast off of me or out of me, whatever. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of where my perspective shifted on that. Interesting. Yeah. I'm thinking of somebody who would hear this, who's like not a Christian, has no room for the supernatural in their mm-hmm. worldview, Yeah. who just thinks this is crazy, right? That we're talking yeah. like, that. so, I mean, what would you say to them? Okay. <laughs> it's it's not my job to convince people. Right. I've had people tell me, no, that didn't happen. That's not real. Like me trying to like share my testimony, things like that. Mm-hmm. And they like deny it. They smack it down. Mm-hmm. It's not my job to convince people. Of that mm-hmm. stuff. And you're not saying either that you're the arbiter of what's spiritual and what's not. We don't know. I just know what happened to me. Yeah. And I attribute it to the Lord. So how'd you get to I hop? Yeah. From I hope. I hope. Yeah. Um, I hope is actually very connected to IHOP. Mm-hmm. Um, they kind of adopted their the model of ministry for worship and prayer and corporate meetings from IHOP, and so they and they visited like they know people. That it's just kind of connected. Um, but I I IHOP had their last conference in 2018 at the end of 2018. Um, their one thing conference, the one that Alicia went to years before, mm-hmm. and that was like a big deal because it's like they. They felt from the Lord to stop having those conferences. Hmm. Why? Why? Uh, they well later it kind of became more apparent. Like they wouldn't have been able to have it anyway. Like the COVID. couple of years COVID. Um, but they were. I don't know. I guess they called it the reset. Okay. Then, um, and they they just felt like we need to reprioritize. Did they feel like there's been some like missional drift or something like that that they were? You can speak to that more, Lisa. Yeah. It it really was a. Um, we need to remember why we're here. Mm. And and the mission and the focus of IHOP is the prayer room. Um, and we can kind of explain more mm-hmm. of what that is yeah. and what we do. But um, so it was just like it's called a, a reset. Resetting. Resetting the... Um, what had it been becoming that was beyond the prayer room, which well, you'll explain later? Yeah, I I think the um, the reach of IHOP was was going very far, very fast, and there were a lot of ministries that were birthed out of it. Um, a lot of music, a lot of materials coming out, um, which is wonderful. I mean, it blessed and touched me when I was in Minnesota. Um, so it, it's just so wonderful. But the thing about it is. Um, it actually was all a, um, a pretty small group of people um, having, you know, so much to do, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think it was a combination of that. And, you know, this is just my opinion. I don't know all the inside information, but um, having a lot to do, a lot of opportunities, a lot to, you know, fix your attention on. Um, but dilutes things with, with a pretty small crew of people. And, and I think what the, the leadership was feeling is we need to pastor and pour into the people who are here 
we don't want this just to become a machine. Yeah. We don't want anyone to get caught, you know, in in the wheels that are keep turning faster and faster. Like, we need to come uh, back to the vision. But then also the big piece was um, pastoral. Like, we need to make sure our people have fathers and mothers and and that we connect as a spiritual body mm. um, so that people aren't getting burnt out. Um and lose steam. So th- I guess that's my perspective of why um, there was a reset. But So you get connected through IHOPE mm-hmm. to IHOP, and then how do you end up being, going down there and working for them? Uh, so actually at that last conference, um, they had like eight or nine sessions, and on the second session, the night watch, the night shift, um, they led worship for that session, and that, that session really, it just captured me. Um, the way they worshiped, like, their endurance in worship. I was like, what, how are they doing singing and doing this for so long? Like there's obviously spontaneous things happening here too. I don't know how they're doing it like this. And then they had an opportunity at, like in the middle of that, um, where they were raising money for a scholarship to bring a hundred people into their internship for the night watch. Hmm. Um, and they, they got it like pretty quick. Um, it was a lot of money. And I was like, Whoa. Um, so, I thought that was cool. I didn't really apply right away for it. I just continued to uh, work. I was working at like Airmark in Waterloo for a little bit, just mm-hmm. washing laundry and stuff, but mm-hmm. just worshiping the Lord constantly and serving at IHOPE. And uh, eventually a friend, I had a conversation with a friend and she's like, I, I mean, you might as well just apply for that internship. Cause I, I ended up visiting Kansas city and IHOP in March of 2019 um, just to finally check it out. See it for myself. Uh, really enjoyed my time there. Um, came back, talked to the Lord about it, and felt him very just clearly say, like, I want you to move to Kansas City. Um, didn't necessarily say, you need to go to Kansas City, do this, go to IHOP, whatever. He's just like, just move to, go to Kansas City. I'm like, okay. I mean, I already picked up and moved to Denver once. And mm-hmm. um, around that time, too, I was also feeling like, I don't think I'm supposed to stay in Cedar Valley. Like, mm-hmm. I'd, I'd actually kind of, like, tried to, like, put down roots and go to, like, serve here there it just didn't feel right like it's doors are not opening for this or that and i'm like okay fine i'll move to kansas city like why not and in the meantime applied for that night watch scholarship and got it um so i i moved there may 5th of 2019 um and immediately he was like what did i just do to my life uh because I'm, I'm so used to working in warehouses, jobs, getting a paycheck that way. And um, it hit me shortly before I moved that, like, I'm not going to have any time to work another job. This is it. And it's it's a job that does not pay you anything as, a, as an intern. Mm-hmm. And I'm actually spending, like, a little bit of money to get here and whatever. So it was like, oh, boy, like, I have to trust the Lord on this. Mm-hmm. Like, he was pretty clear in sending me here. So he, he obviously knows what's up. And, um, but he did. He he provided for me, like, the travel costs, moving costs, like, rent, everything like that. And um, eventually started raising supporters for me. to Like, I was asking. He told you need to ask. That's hard. Yeah. <laughs> like working warehouses and stuff for getting a decent paycheck. And, like, he, he wants me to ask. and um, But I, that, that's, that's kind of, like, how I got launched into there. It was just, like, a leap. It was a leap mm-hmm. of faith. It was literally that. So financially, both of you are employed there? Yeah. And yes. you raise your support? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yep. And how's that been? I mean, that's I've, I've done that in previous ministry yeah. roles. Yeah. It's a faith-building 
Mm-hmm. Oh, totally. Humbling. Well, you, you meet Jehovah Jireh, the provider. Scary. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It is scary. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Faith building, that's a great way to describe it. Um, I think it really has shaped what I really think about um, our resources, money. I had to decide, you know, who is this coming from? Well, it's going to come from the Lord. He right. owns everything. Yep. And um, and and I really just had to believe that, uh, you know, they say, God's will, God's bill. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that if yeah. it's if it's a real calling, then yeah. He will provide for His children. He mm-hmm. just will. Um, and I've seen His faithfulness all along the way. Um, I think one of the benefits of it. Um, even though it is hard and humbling and all of that, um, you really do get community um, and and bond with others in the body through this because, um, you know, I have a team of people that um, are a part of the mission mm-hmm. and they're helping to make this happen. And, and it's so important, um, you know, that... Um, if, so to have people who, um, can be a part of what we're doing if they can't do it themselves, Mm -hmm. I think is, um, a really cool opportunity. Um, but then also just being able to connect with spiritual family, Mm -hmm. um, all, doing one mission together, although our expressions of it are different. You know, we're in the prayer room. They might be working a nine-to-five job, but mm-hmm. um, being able to still have the same mission, the same goal, and um, the same, you know, r- rewards from yeah. it, too, yeah. of sharing that together. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Um, so let's talk about the logistics of the, the International House of Prayer. Yeah. How does it work? It's been going since early 2000, n- late 90s? Yeah, 99. So talk about that. Like, what is it? Uh, I, I guess I'll start just by saying, what does it look like for me to play a set? Yeah. Um, so there, that, the House of Prayer, it's, it's 24 hours a day, seven days a week. They split up the responsibilities uh, between, like, there's like 25 worship teams in the house maybe. I think they have maybe 26 total and they all take um two hour shifts and that's kind of the leadership figured that out how they organize who does when and uh my team with alicia she leads it um we are in the night watch so that's midnight to 6 a.m mm-hmm. shift there's four sections there's morning afternoon evening and night watch um six hours each and we will take a two-hour block um and we will I mean, the prayer meeting never stops, so it, it's kind of like there's the, there's a model um, that they have for um, procedure of transition. So yeah. we have to relieve the the playing team of their post, kind of like one by one. Yeah. So like stagger it. Yeah. So they can keep going. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. It's wow. pretty cool. It's pretty cool. So is there music playing the whole time? Yes. Twenty four hours a day. Uh huh. Since nineteen ninety nine. September nineteenth, nineteen ninety nine. And prayer. It with prayer, yeah. So is the prayer like interspersed? Or are there people praying while there are people worshiping? Yes and yes. Okay, <laughs> describe that. Um, so they a set will start with the new worship leader. They have like replaced the old one. Mm-hmm. Um, 
mean, there's some lead on piano, some lead on guitar, so it's not always like running over each other or whatever. Yep. Um, but the new one starts, and then everyone starts transitioning. Like the old drummer starts tearing down his stuff, like his cymbals and snare. Um, the guitar players pack up their gear, whatever. In the same space. Yeah. So you got this guy over here drumming, and yeah. this guy who just finished up putting his stuff away, uh, kind of in the background quietly. So like, Alicia will go out, um, nod at whoever's kind of leading the thing, and then they hand it over to her. She starts kind of like just just leading worship songs, familiar yep. worship songs. Yep. Um, and while that's happening, like the drummer from the last set starts packing up his stuff. I walk in, I can help him out, um, and he tears down. And then I start setting up. All the while, she's leading worship this whole time. Um, I get everything set up, um, and then I I just join because by that time, like the other keys player might already be ready, the guitar bass player they might be ready. Hmm. I just start playing with whatever she's already doing. Um, and the meeting goes from there. We worship for however long. It's not like hard set, like you must wor- lead worship for 20 minutes. Like we, we flow with the Holy Spirit. Right. Um, whatever he, we feel to do. Um, but we do have a set, like, okay, like we eventually want to transition into praying, like in the corporate. So uh, we have kind of like moments that are like, all right, we're transitioning. We can tell that we're transitioning. And then we hand it off to the person who is um, leading the prayer meeting. Um, and they start praying. But while there's music, we kind of have music playing behind them as they're praying. Mm-hmm. So that might look like we just kind of kept the same chord progression going from that last worship song. Um, or we might just start something brand new, like the guitar player might start just kind of an instrumental mm-hmm. thing. And then we just kind of like figure out what to play with them. It's like big jam session almost. By the way... Uh I'm at the website right now. It's ihopkc, I-H-O-P-K-C dot org for anyone who wants to check that all mm-hmm. out. I'm on the page where there's a live stream going. So this mm-hmm. live stream will just be going 24 hours? Yeah. Yep. And you guys Always. will be on here sometime? Yeah, we're in the middle of the night. <laughs> Incredible. So they call it the Night Watch, yeah. which sounds like kind of cool, like mm-hmm. holding the fort down overnight. Yeah. Yeah. Um, getting back to our conversation about kind of spiritual darkness and oppression and all yeah. that stuff. I mean, does it, like, is is it crazier at night than during the day? Uh, spiritually, I don't know. Because I'm not on the other sections. I don't know if it's like, right. how, how is it for them? Who, who's coming into this to pray? Just people off the street? People who it's know about it? It's open to the it? public. Yeah. And anyway. so describe that. Like, who, who's coming in and doing this? Are there 100 people? Are there uh, two people? It's like, so in the Night Watch, it's obviously it's not as like populated. There's not as many people. We have the people who are on staff who are in the Night Watch with us, but people will just kind of come in like sometimes it can be anyone from the street anyone from the community um we have some people who come in like they just can't sleep yeah and they're we might see them a few times a week Mm -hmm. um before they go to their more early morning job Mm -hmm. um sometimes people are on like road trips from around the country or around the world like they're traveling and but ihop is a stop for them wow i want to go visit the prayer room and they might get there at like three in the morning yep um, and they sit in there for a while, chill for a bit, and then like, all right, we're gonna go to our Airbnb or something. Or yeah, whatever. yeah. yeah I would I would say eighty percent of who's in the room is full time staff members or interns. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, because is that all the time or just at night? Uh, mo- definitely at night. Mm-hmm. I think more visitors will be in the prayer yeah. room and during community the day. members from like the, from Forerunner Church, the church that's attached to IHOP. But mm-hmm. sometimes in the night watch, we'll have as few as 
20 people in the room, Mm -hmm. including the people on stage. Mm -hmm. We'll always have a full worship team on stage, so about Mm -hmm. 10 people or so on stage. Mm -hmm. But in the room, there might only be five or ten more like, yeah. at certain the moments of the night. Yeah. yeah, wave high to the sound tech. Yeah. 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 We'll be right back to the second half of the CC Podcast Conversations. But first, the CC Podcast is accepting applications for sponsorships. Our podcasts are growing very quickly and reaching a wide audience. If your business or organization is interested in hearing about sponsorship options and pricing, please email info at christiancrusaders.org or call 319 319- Two seven seven zero nine two four, and now back to the second half of the CC podcast conversations. And so the prayer component of it, mm-hmm. um, there's some corporate prayer yeah. which you kind of fold into the music. Yeah. But then, are people just obviously you can pray while the music's being played privately? I mean, is there are there guides to like I'm talking like like a written yeah. like. Like, how do the people participate in what you're doing? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so um, this is something that took many years to develop, and it's called the harp and bowl model. Um, So this was a a kind of a a model that was put together um, basically to have a system in place so no matter what time of day it is, we all know what's going on in the room, and we can jump in... um, with very little planning or communication needed on stage while it's happening. Because this is 24-7. So we don't really have the space to be planning things out. Like, we just need to all be on the same page and know what's going on. So um, it's called the Harp and Bowl model. We have um, different sections of it. We start, like Carl was saying, with corporate worship. And then we go into what's called an intercession cycle. So people who are in the room, one person will come up to, to pray on the mic. And then there's a little section where there's someone praying and then the singers are singing phrases, basically singing prayers. Um, we, we don't do it all at once, but we kind of take turns doing it. Um, and then there's someone that's a chorus leader. They'll come up with a chorus, just a little song to sing related to the prayer that's being prayed so that the whole room can sing it all together. So let's say someone is praying for um, salvation in the Middle East. Um, the, the chorus leader might sing a chorus that's saying, um, save souls in the Middle East or something mm-hmm. simple like that. Do you know we can all sing it. what the prayers are going to say or is it all pretty spontaneous? Well, one thing that we do that's very, very helpful is we ask all the intercessors to begin their their prayers with Scripture, to that's use good. the Bible along yeah. with it, yeah. because we want the Bible. Actually, something I love about IHOP is how much it's rooted in Scripture. Bible there is always. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they also um, really encourage using what they call the apostolic prayers, which are the prayers that are in scripture that Paul prayed. Mm -hmm. Um, Oftentimes he'd be praying them for the church. Mm -hmm. Um, But using his prayers as sort of a format Mm -hmm. and a model for how they pray in their prayers. Paul, there's some from Isaiah too. Yep. Mm -hmm. Different Mm -hmm. places, mostly, mostly Mostly New Testament. But um, yeah, so 
that really is helpful because if somebody is using biblical language, then it's a little bit easier for us all to um, pray together. Yeah. If that off the sense. same page. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. So instead of just some right out here prayer that yeah. yeah. For example, one prayer that we pray a lot is Ephesians one seventeen through nineteen, yeah. which is we pray that God would grant you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him enlighten the eyes of our hearts. Yeah. So there's there's language that um, can be applied to different biblical or different prayer topics. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then, you know, we can sing phrases like, you know, yeah. open the eyes of our understanding or yeah. pour out your spirit of wisdom or, you know, mm-hmm. Give things wisdom. that are from Give them the word as well. I, I yeah. will say that one thing I'm very impressed with as I did a little bit of research on IHOP, is how biblically grounded it is. Yeah. It's interesting because my conception of IHOP, which we talked about earlier, is very spirit-led, kind of Holy Mm Spirit-centric, which is all good. I mean, it's third person of the Trinity. Um, But the Holy Spirit in in a lot of places kind of gets kind of marginalized or or sloughed off here. Mm -hmm. And so some of us, like me, didn't grow up in a Holy Spirit ripe right. setting yeah. where we talked yeah. about that, and we, and so people like me look at stuff like that, and the the instinct is to go, okay, what kind of crazy wacko stuff's yeah. going on here? Yeah, for sure. But what grounds it is Scripture. Yes, and, and I mean this is replete with just oh, yeah. a biblical yes. groundedness, packed mm-hmm. with it, which is awesome. It makes it safe. Yeah, like that's I and think legit. Yeah. Safe, legit, like this is, oh, this is it. This is the Lord. Like it's the word of God. Totally. Yeah. Love yes. that. Uh-huh. Love that. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you think? You guys have to have talked about this as a team. Even the two of you, you've thought about it. What do you think has been the impact of IHOP? Yeah. The global impact, the the personal impact, the Kansas City impact, the American impact, um, you know, Ephesians 6, our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against spiritual forces of darkness and whatever else is in there in the heavenly realms. And so, and as we talked about, there's definitely spiritual stuff going on. Yes. All around us. Yeah, all the time. I never read them, but I heard enough about them that I feel like I know enough to at least casually mention them. But Frank Preddy wrote some books. This Present Darkness. Yeah. Yeah. And there was uh, Piercing the Darkness, maybe. And I just remember them being described by people who've read them as if you could peel back, like, the realm that we are aware of yep. with our five senses and see spiritually what's really going on, I mean, it would just be staggering. Yeah. The the spiritual, the spiritual battle. Yeah. I believe that's true. Uh-huh. And I believe that there are things going on even in this room uh-huh. that we can't see. Um, so there's this raging cosmic spiritual battle. And... Uh, IHOP, I mean, there have been prayers and Christians who are mm-hmm. engaged in this battle all through time. Yeah. But IHOP is maybe the most concentrated manifestation of that, intentional manifestation of that, that I'm aware of in in recent times, yeah, modern times. in mm-hmm. America. Mm-hmm. Is that right? I, I and, think so. And if that's the case, what, what do you think the impact is? Man, I the one thing I'm thinking about is Daniel. Is it Daniel ten? I think where he's praying in his house, and he prays and he fasts for 21 days, 
And it's after the 21st day that is it Gabriel, an angel comes to him and says, at the moment you started praying, I was sent to help you. But he was um, fought against by, he was resisted by the, they called it the Prince of Persia. Mm-hmm. And Daniel did not stop praying and fasting. And that angel was fighting for 21 days until he was sent help by Michael, I think. Mm-hmm. And finally there was breakthrough. I, I think of that when I think about persistent prayer. Mm-hmm. Like there's, I mean, Jesus taught through the parable of the unjust judge yeah. that to be persistent in prayer. And we, we don't, like there's so much faith involved in prayer. Mm-hmm. Because we don't know exactly what is happening. Sometimes the Lord will clue you in on it. Like Daniel, fortunately, got to be visited by an angel and say, "Hey, here's what was going on. Here's why it took so long." Yeah, wow. Um, I think that kind of thing is happening all the time. So, like, uh, concentrating our prayers, like um, being persistent, not giving up. Like, I think it is shifting the spiritual atmosphere, like constantly, and allowing for breakthrough of like what God wants to do. It's not that he can't do it on his own. Right. That's the thing. He's not powerless to just snap his fingers and make everything the way he wants it. Mm-hmm. But he, in, through scripture, you can clearly see he intentionally chose to partner with the prayers of his people Yeah, to get his will done in the earth. It's his governmental method. It's prayer. one of the difficult things for me. I, my prayer life is one of the weakest aspects of oh, my man. faith life. Hmm. And, and, and one of the reasons is because theologically, yeah, I'm in my mind. I'm going. And why? What am I doing here? Uh-huh. I mean, I can only pray your will be done. How many times? Yeah. <laughs> before you're like, do I need to say your will be done again? Yeah. <laughs> um, I totally agree with what you're saying, and I I'm self-critical hmm. about about what I'm saying. But it's easy to go, okay. God is unchangeable. Yeah. He knows the beginning from the end. Uh-huh. He's completely sovereign. He can do anything, like you said, snap his fingers yeah. and it's done. Mm-hmm. And so. Whether this person who's battling with cancer right now, who I'm praying for, yeah. and I, I pray mostly out of obedience, yeah. not really because I am convinced it's doing anything. Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. I mean, yeah. which is just a true confession. Uh-huh. I mean, it's just like, yeah. because the Lord knows what they're going to do with this person. Mm-hmm. And the Lord knows, but but at the same time, there are these examples, like the parable of the persistent widow, yeah. mm-hmm. or like that example in Daniel, which mm-hmm. rebuke me. Because it's like, hey, you got to... He said to do it. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) And and not just do it going through the motions like a diligent, obedient son, because you're just trying to do what dad told you to, even though you don't really believe in it and you're not really excited about it. Right. But I I believe in prayer. Sure. I believe in the power of prayer, but I have no idea what's going on out there. You know what I mean? Yep. I honestly... How would you counsel me? either. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I just... I'm fascinated... That, I mean, I'm thinking of Psalm 2 right now. Why mm-hmm. do the nations rage and people plot in vain? Um, David saw a conversation between the Lord, like the father talking to the son. And um, he saw that God the father told the son to ask him for the nations. Mm-hmm. So the fact that Jesus himself praise to god jesus Mm -hmm. praise jesus asks the father for everything Mm -hmm. like in in he's like always praying always like he's going off to pray he often withdrew like that kind of Mm -hmm. thing he's praying in the garden like that is 
how Jesus knew what I think I believe personally that's how Jesus like got his marching orders from the Lord too. Like he I I'm not hundred percent of that, but I you see that he's often praying, he's often talking to the Lord, and he says he only says what the Father says and does what the Father does. Right. So because Jesus, who is he's our model he is who we are being made into the image of like we're being made like Jesus he prays constantly mm-hmm. and he's still like is it hebrews that says he's still, he makes intercession for us mm-hmm. is that hebrews he that's his one of his jobs like he's a he's the great high priest he's the intercessor yeah mm-hmm. so like if he's doing it then like even when I feel weak in prayer, I can ask the lord can you help me to pray yeah for sure like that kind of stuff like so even with the prayer like let your will be done. That's still one of my favorite prayers to pray because mm-hmm. there have been some really hairy situations and, and things. I just don't even know what to do. Like even this last political season we went through, mm-hmm. I was like, I don't know who to believe anymore. Mm-hmm. Like this last, everything we've been through, right. I don't know who to believe. Right. So like my prayer ended up being let your will be done. Mm-hmm. And cause I don't know, I'm not smart enough to figure yeah, it out. <laughs> that was the best I could do. And yeah. honestly, I think he was fine with that. <laughs> like, yep. That's cool. We know it's a great prayer because Jesus prayed it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Yep. So back to the question of yeah. the impact of IHOP. Mm-hmm. Any specific stories or any, any yeah. anything that sheds yeah. some light on that? We definitely have a lot of stories. I think one thing to highlight is uh, something that's in the mission for IHOP KC um, is that we exist to advance the Great Commission. Um so the gospel going forth, disciples being made in the nations. Um, and I think that we see in scripture when, um, when people are being saved is because God is involved, right? John six forty four, the the one who can come to me, it's because the father who sent me draws him to me. Um, and so we pray often for... The word to go forth, Second Thessalonians, that your word will run swiftly and yeah, be glorified. Be glorified. Um, we pray that um, eyes would be enlightened, Ephesians 1, 17. Um, we, we pray that the gospel would go forth. We actually um, have some of the biggest um, evangelism ministries, YWAM, Every Home for Christ, Maps Global. Yeah. Um, they have have seen the power of prayer combined with evangelism. Um, they've seen how those two things are inseparable. We actually need both. We need prayer if we want to do any other kind of mission for the kingdom, because that's how the Lord has set it up. Um, and I really believe that's because he loves the relationship that happens in the place of prayer, that we would talk to our father, that we would, um, have a partnership with him in it. He just loves his family so much. He loves the relational connection. Yep. Um, and even in our own prayer lives, you know, prayer is conversation with God. Um, and so we do that together corporately and we see um, the impact of the power of prayer on missions. So uh, these organizations have said, IHOP, will you pray for us? Will you pray for us every day? Because when we have that, that power of prayer kind of forging the way, we have seen more salvations, more signs and wonders. Um, just the impact is greater. Open doors. Um, doors are open. Stuff. Miracles happen. 
Um, so I think that is one of the biggest impacts and we can't always, Mm -hmm. you know, count up like, how would this happen if we hadn't prayed? And, you know, it it is really hard to know. I'm thinking of the one story though, about the, uh, um, Mexico. Yes. Yeah. If you want to talk, this is kind of wild. Um, so there's a, a friend of ours who has been there for a long time. He, he is a huge advocate for, um, the ending of abortion. Um, and he prays that way a lot. Mm-hmm. And this was years ago. I think there was some legislature that was um, being passed in Mexico mm-hmm. that was going to like be friendly to abortion and increase it. Um, and this was, on, I think he was on a night watch set. He was praying for God to break in and to change it, turn around. Hmm. And that president who was, he was pro that legislation. He was going to sign it in. He got drunk and signed the wrong thing, and he actually hindered the legislation. <laughs> but it was after. It was after. It was like the same night of a prayer it was meeting. Like right. At the same time. Yeah. Like, yeah. That's crazy. So, once like in a while, we get, we get Something those. Something like Yeah, we that's see in the paper. Always happening, but sometimes um, that's right. Like, yeah. Like prostitution rings being yes. broken up when yeah. we are just spending hours just punching, you know. That, wow. Lord, yeah. end it. And suddenly and there's then, a breakthrough and like the police, the authorities are able to like figure it out and like go respond. Yeah. Yeah. So we, we do get to see those um, at times. Mm-hmm. Um, otherwise, we, we just like keep you persisting. Saying, like we yeah, have faith, faith and we keep going. Well, the thing is where, where I've come to, I mean, I've been walking with the Lord a long time, and I've had these questions about prayer for a long time yeah. and just kind of thought through them, prayed about them. Whether the Lord was going to break up the prostitution ring anyway or have the president sign the wrong thing mm-hmm. or whatever mm-hmm. is a little bit immaterial. Mm-hmm. Right. Because like you said, he has chosen to partner with humans who pray. Yeah. So we know that. Mm-hmm. And what's cool is, is how edifying it is as a prayer like I can think of a few situations I'm praying for right now, and I'm I'm tuned into what's going on. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know what I mean because I'm praying about them. Yep. And when I hear that this situation starts to turn this way, it's like man, it's gonna build your like, faith. <laughs> it builds my faith. Yes. Yeah. And it doesn't build my faith in the sense that, oh look, I prayed, and the Lord changed the outcome because it's what I asked Him to do. It builds my faith in the sense that I'm aware of what the Lord's doing, yeah. regardless of whether it's in line with my desired outcome or not. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm thinking of like you pray for people to be healed of diseases, and sometimes the Lord doesn't yeah. heal them and they die. Mm-hmm. But because you're tuned into that, you see his hand at work even in an outcome that you would have not preferred. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? That happened several times this year. Actually, a lot of people I knew passed away this past year, and a couple were cancer. One was COVID. Hmm. Uh, one was a violent accident. It was like crazy. Mm-hmm. Like actually, this, this year was really strange. For that, and a f- couple of them were <clears throat> situations of persistent prayer. Like mm-hmm. I, we were praying, 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 and the outcome that we wanted did not happen. And yet, there were some stories of the outcome that we saw was supernatural healing. Yeah. So, <laughs> like, so it's like both will happen. Yeah. It's like it does make you make me. It has made me examine again. Like, why do I pray? Well, and the thing yeah. is, is the times where it's not the outcome that you were praying for, mm-hmm. 
you still see supernatural stuff going on. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. In the midst still do of that. things. And, and yeah. it's like, it wasn't unto them being healed the way we wanted them to, but like he would still like do coincidental things and here and there built into the time that we're praying. Yeah. So he's obviously here. Yeah. He knows what's going on. And it's mm. so like, I have to trust you on this one. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> That's like the Christian life, isn't it? Like, I guess I got to trust you on this one. Totally. Like, it does yeah. build faith and trust. Yes. Like, mm-hmm. Even even when things don't go the way we want, mm-hmm. which eventually someday probably is going to happen, or yeah. many times, yeah, we just right. go, well, the Lord's in don't this, know. and yeah. we trust him. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. Um, how do people support you if you wanted to be supported? And how does your upcoming marriage address that? Will you just have like two accounts and they'll merge? We, or? Do we still? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I well, we still that. will still have both of our names yeah. listed. Yeah, because you can mm-hmm. individually support people who are on staff by going to the, the website, um, ihopkc.org. Yep. Um, and you'll, there's a tab that says give. Um, and you and can search by person? Or? You enter a giving code. Okay. Um like mine is KR two eight two four one nine, um, and you enter that into the giving. I just say that slower. <laughs> yeah, KR two eight two four one nine. And what's yours, yeah. Alicia? I don't have a memorized <laughs> like he does. <laughs> I just did. I just went on a partnership trip last month, and so I, it's like fresh it's on the front of your yeah. mind. Yeah. What What do you? But we'll be married. You can give to him. <laughs> <laughs> what do you foresee your future being with IHOP? What do you see the first the the future of IHOP? Mm-hmm. Like, what do you see yourself doing in 10 years? Yeah. Well, you know, that question is a little hard to answer because I think Carl and I both, our hands are open to wherever the Lord would want to send us. But what I will say about my time at IHOP is that I have been gripped for the power of corporate prayer and how how beautiful that is, how, like like he said, the Lord uses it for his government on the earth, like shifts things, changes things through a body of believers coming together and praying. Um, But the other thing I've been really struck with is just the beauty of Jesus. And it's one of the other big reasons that IHOP exists. We do prayer, we do worship, and we constantly are adoring and glorifying Jesus. We're ministering to him. I mean, prayer is a big part of it, but more than anything, like we are ministering to the Lord because he's beautiful and because he's worthy. And I, I think that, um, I, I think that I will continue to be at IHOP because it just, I think we would both say it feels like we're made for it. (laughs) You know, like we're musicians. We get to play and sing every single night and we, do this with other believers and it's all unto Jesus. It's all adoring the one we love the most, you know? (laughs) So it's the best job that we've ever had. Mm -hmm. Um, But, but for me, I would say I, I have to have both of those things no matter where I go. Mm -hmm. Like I, I just praying, ministering, laboring with other believers, the power of prayer, but then also just adoring Jesus however that looks like, but I really want to do it with music. Yeah, that's awesome. Same. Yeah. One thing I was going to ask, just kind of logistic or for your lifestyle, like you're up in the middle of the night every night, yeah. so it's mm-hmm. like a third shift job, mm-hmm. and you yeah. just work, sleep during the day. Do you do any side hustles or? I don't really. 
I do a little bit more than he does because I I do studio work with my violin mm. on recording projects and just miscellaneous things. Um, but yeah, that's our main gig, twelve to six a.m. So that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, anything else? I mean, this has just been a fascinating conversation. I think people are going to enjoy mm. it. They're going to get a lot out of it. Uh, be challenged. Be inspired. Um, I think we haven't we haven't really gone very far into describing the value even of that prayer room, like that it's been to the the earth to Kansas City. Say yeah. more about it. Uh, mm-hmm. For me personally, it was tuning into the web stream itself as a ministry to the body. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. For my own, I I didn't spend too much time looking into IHOP before I actually got there. Um, I watched the web stream here and there, but it was there for me. Um, like I've, I've had a lot of trouble sleeping over my life and I'm woken up feeling kind of panicked sometimes. I don't know. And I would turn that thing on and they would be like praying intensely and like, I would just join them and I would feel peace come into my room. That's awesome. Something like that. Or after I even moved to Kansas city and I was like, what am I going to do? Like, what did I just do? And I would turn the thing on and like set after set, they would be talking about God's faithfulness and his provision. Hmm. Like, so it's like, the, and now I'm, I've been in it long enough to know that worship leaders don't talk about what they're going to talk, like pray and sing about. Like it's, they're replacing they're each spontaneous. other. It's spontaneous. So it's like the sets, just because we've broken them up into two hour bits doesn't mean the Lord's done that. Right. Like he will, we've seen it even the night watch. He'll continue to emphasize a certain theme sometimes like from set to yeah, set. Mm-hmm. So cool. the next worship leader will pick up even the same scripture that they were singing out of too just because they felt to do it. Mm-hmm. And he's like, no, I'm not done ministering to this need or whatever. Mm-hmm. So like for me, that was so cool that like, okay, for I, I check back in later, they're still talking about his faithfulness, a completely different team. Hmm. Um, that's what you would call prophetic worship intercession. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's connected to God's heart for what he wants to do and how he wants to minister. Yeah. And that is huge for the body global is especially mm-hmm. in persecuted nations where they yes. are separated from they're not able to gather or they're isolated from other christians they don't even know who the other christians are in their area right. because like if you speak up about it you're dead yeah like that kind of reality they get to connect with the body through the the web stream yeah. and like connect to a worship meeting that's going on and it's yeah uh, i actually have gotten a number of even personal messages of people who are various places around the globe that are like, thank you so much for singing, worshiping the Lord. Like it has gotten me through Hmm. really painful seasons. Um, This was kind of cool. I had a friend that spent um, some time with a family in Guatemala that runs an orphanage. And they're in a pretty remote area, but they have been able to access the website. They know what IHOP is. And she was there and um, they were saying, they were saying what a gift that the web stream was to them because they don't have very many believers around them. Wow. And they feel really discouraged and alone a lot, but they can turn on the web stream and see 24 seven worshipers loving the Lord, continuing to praise him, continuing to pray to him. And they said it was like food to them. Hmm. Um, so, and, and we've heard that 
Well, during the night watch, because of our hours, <laughs> our main audience is like Asia. International. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so. India. Like I get friend requests from people in India and like China. And <laughs> we get a little bit of that even here. Really? With this kind of small time. Oh, cool. Ra- uh-huh. Radio and internet ministry. Yeah. yeah so, so. And I always wonder very... like, are these people legit? Are they angling for something? Or I think <laughs> yeah. some of it's legit. Yeah. It's yeah. Real. Yeah. Like, it's hard to know. But. They've seen me night after night. Well, afternoon after afternoon just like playing the drums and worshiping and I, I still play like a heavy metal drummer still sometimes so it's like man I don't know I, I I think about that sometimes like who is actually watching this and like who are they being blessed by this because <laughs> yeah. I'm playing really crazy right it now. would probably blow our minds yeah if yeah. you could see who's actually even yeah. with this radio and internet ministry I mean yeah we'll we'll get a note or an email from someone who's like what yeah you you were actually tuned in in this situation and blah 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 yeah. right it's amazing. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, do you guys do anything to promote or market yourselves? As I'm IHOP? working on that. Oh, as as IHOP? Yeah, yeah. They have a media team, and they do. They have like they have a pretty good social media presence too. I mean, like buy ads and stuff internationally, oh. or just. I don't know. I, well, I really don't know. I mean, I'm, thinking, I'm thinking back to like 1999. I remember when it popped up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, how did people find out about it? Word of mouth was a big one. I'm sure that they do some kind of marketing, yeah. but I—I I mean, I found out word of mouth. At, it was <laughs> a lot on, of people I know. Did. Honestly, my f- my actual first look at the prayer room was like in 2011. I had a roommate who was into it, and he showed it to me, and I was like, "Oh, okay, cool, neat." But yeah. like, that was it. When you say the prayer room, it's this thing I'm this looking thing. at right now. Yeah, yeah. the web stream. Yeah. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. So like, it's—I honestly feel like a lot of it's word of mouth and. Like the guy who started Mike Bickle, like he's had his own stuff going on for a couple of decades before even the prayer room okay. happened, and they had their own stuff going on. Like he partnered with the Vineyard, okay, you know, in the late '80s, yeah. early '90s, and um, so he was already kind of well known in like he. They've had articles about him in like Christianity Today, like for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, so he was already kind of known when it started, I think. And now it's like it just has its own reputation because it, it's the prayer room. Like we just kind of know, people know what it is. Mm-hmm. But otherwise, I think it's word of mouth mostly. Mm-hmm. I don't see a heavy push for like putting ads up for it everywhere. Yeah, they have their own YouTube. They do Instagram. Like they're mm-hmm. kind of starting on TikTok too. Like just mm-hmm. individual people at IHOP do that. Yep. Um, but yeah, it's just kind of a, a grassroots feeling almost. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, I would say um, there are some resources that are so excellent. MikeBickle.org yes. is such a good one, uh-huh. just for a lot of. Um, good Bible teaching on hundreds of topics. Um, But even just going to IHOPKC.org, there's lots of information, tons of resources. And then when you go to the web stream, you can access archives of sets for like the last 10 years or something. 2013 was like, they had to reset something like that. So 2013 But it goes back to that far, yeah. yeah. Wow. Mm -hmm. So if somebody was like driving through or whatever and wanted to stop in, I mean, they just literally look up the address, yeah. mm-hmm. go, yeah. walk in, bam. 35-35 East Redbridge Road. always, yep. <laughs> what is it? 35-35 East Redbridge Road, I think. Yep. Kansas City, Missouri, 64137. Yeah, it's open 24-7 <laughs> to the public. Yeah, they just park in the lot and just walk in. Mm-hmm. That's it. And, and come and go, however, yeah. in yeah. and out, whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And no one thinks it's weird that I walked in, in the middle of something and no. left in the middle of something. Because that's constantly happening. Yeah. People are always in and out. And there's ways there, to do, participate. I, do I have to talk to someone? Can, no. No. 
Can I talk to someone? You can. I mean, they might. It depends on the hour of the day. They do have people assigned who like do the help desk or like the front information desk. Typically in the night watch, that's not always the case. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes there is someone who will sit there yeah. for a bit. But yeah, I mean, you can walk in, ask questions to whoever's at the information desk. Uh, if you walk in the prayer room, though, you typically don't want to like start up conversations with people. There. Yeah. Because um, it's kind of a sacred space. Yep. Um, and it's although you can you can you grab can. someone and they might like, bring you to a side room yeah. just to have a or chat like walk out into the hall and like ask yeah like it's not like oh don't ever talk in there but right it, right it's like just be mindful of like what's going on this is a sanctuary where there's worship and prayer and like yeah um, we're there to pray and worship with each other. Do you have any uh, metrics on online viewers? Probably right. Like, uh, I don't. Um, but somebody does. Somebody yeah. does. I mean, somebody's watching that. Like, yeah. mm-hmm. how many people are tuned into the live stream right now? Or I tend to see about in the night watch, if I ever turn it on, it's like a few hundred are watching live at a time. But wow. you're you're looking at YouTube. I'm just, I'm just looking at YouTube. That's so just YouTube. there's different places that For, it's streaming. Yeah. Yeah. There's the website it is, itself. That I will, think higher numbers yeah. than that. Still, I mean, even a few hundred in the middle of the night. Yes. That's, that's something. That actually picked up during the pandemic. Oh, I, I was going to ask you that. Yeah. I'm mm-hmm. glad you mentioned that. Yes. The pandemic, mm-hmm. it was actually a blessing for our ministry. Wow. And I'm sure that yeah. it was just in terms of, I don't mean that sound that way, yeah. it was a blessing in the sense that a ton of people were at home yeah. and they were freaking out mm-hmm. and they were looking for something solid. We do. Yeah. And so you go online mm-hmm. and you find our stuff. I would guess if that was happening for us, it would have been happening for you guys yeah. in spades. Yeah. Yeah. We closed the prayer room to the public. Um when our city was locked down, um, which wasn't for a super long time. There were actually a couple, a couple different of moments weeks. where we shut it down because like it was really, we were getting hit hard mm-hmm. with COVID. Um, but during that time we kept ministering. Like we, uh, the web stream, the was web stream still did. Um, we did kind of like alter the stage a bit. Like we took out three of the microphones from the singers, spaced mm-hmm. them apart. Social distancing. Social distance. <laughs> uh, masks were, it just depended on, mm-hmm. I don't know, masks or masks. And we, there was a moment where it was like the room was kind of, it was empty. We were allowed to have 10 people in that room. Mm-hmm. So like, But you kept the worship going? We kept the worship mm-hmm. going. It was kind of more stripped stop. down. Like, are we having an acoustic guitar player today or not? Um, so that we can have a bass player or something like that. Do you that. think there's ever been a moment when there wasn't worship or prayer? I would, if there was, I would call it a Selah. Well, like, like on purpose, like, like a pause, there, like a second, like on purpose. It has not stopped. No, it hasn't stopped. I, I mean, once in a while, there's like a couple second gap between the transitioning teams. Yeah, yeah, yeah but it's I'm like just passing yeah. the baton. Or like you said, a pause that's like kind of God, a musical pause. Led. Too. But it's like that's not stopping. We don't no. ever. If we ever have those moments, there's a pad or something yeah. there. It is not pure. Or the silence. person is still actually playing their instrument. Yeah. But they're just not connected, like audio connected to the house. So, like, no, I don't, it's never stopped. Uh, sure, yeah. But maybe it seems that way. On the stream, on it might stream. sound like it. That's incredible. Yeah. Since 99. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. 22 years. Wow. Yeah. I was, so at yeah, 99, I was in sixth grade. Like, they, just, I was like 11 <laughs> yeah. years old thinking about that. Like, they started when I was 11 years old. And well, I'm, the amazing thing is that. Mike's church, they were doing prayer meetings for, was it like 15 years before Before that? that? They would have daily prayer meetings even before that. So for a few hours at a time and sometimes have more intense pushes, like we're going to, we're going along fast or something like that. And they'd have 18 hours a day or something. 
But it was cool. 99 that the 24-7 began. Yeah. And the idea of the harp and bowl, like we were explaining, combining music with it. Yeah. Because he would talk about those days of um, his prayer <laughs> meetings, the rock pile prayer, yes. just brutal doing no hours and hours of prayer meetings without any kind of music or interaction. And they also didn't quite have their structure of like apostolic prayers in place either. Mm-hmm. So it was the kind of what you think of like, they can just pray about anything, anything mm-hmm. um, shouting, shouting on yelling at the devil, like you devil, you get out of here. <laughs> yeah. you devil. And it's like, you're, just you're exhausting. in that environment for hours. Like, Oh, just, yeah. just end. And that's stop. where one of the values came. Enjoyable prayer. Yes. Enjoyable is one prayer. of the values of IHOP. That's like, interesting. We're going to pray. We're going to like it though. We're going to enjoy our time while we're doing it. Yeah. yeah. That's so, cool. Uh-huh. I got to stop down there sometime. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That'd be Definitely. way cool. Bring a group, uh-huh. whatever. Yeah. Do, do you, uh, like if somebody gets plugged in, like do they, w- and they want to get plugged into a church, do you have a church that you partner with or do you just yeah. do like other churches or? Yeah, it would be mm-hmm. Forerunner Church. But honestly, like a lot of the people who are on staff at IHOP too. Go to different churches. They go and they also like are on the worship teams for other they churches too. different churches. Mm-hmm. And some are worship leaders. Some, mm-hmm. um, like our friend, we just went to at least just sang in a worship night he had at his church and he was like playing the organ and it was, it was like really cool. It was just like the church yeah. that we're plugged into down there is in Lee's summit called abundant life church. Dude named uh, Phil know. Hopper. They're putting mm. a new church in the crossroads of Kansas city. Okay. okay. Which uh, are you, where are you guys from there? Um, Nearby? My I'm understanding sure is that's, that's kind of like downtown Kansas mm-hmm. city. Yeah. yeah. So we're about 15 minutes, 20 minutes South of okay. downtown. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah. yeah. Well, this has been really fascinating, and I would be remiss at the end of it if I didn't have you guys pray. So mm-hmm. would you just, mm-hmm. you can close us out in prayer however you want to do that. Want me to start? Yeah, you can start, yeah. Okay. Oh, Father, thank you. We love you. Um, thank you for this podcast. Thank you for Matt. Thank you for Andrew. Thank you for everyone who's involved. Um, God, as a son of the Cedar Valley, I ask you to pour out your spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of you mm-hmm. everywhere in the Cedar Valley. I ask for an increase in the knowledge of what you're like, mm-hmm. how you are, and how you feel about your people in the Cedar Valley. Yeah. Would you increase that even today, uh, that they would know the width, length, and depth, and height of the riches of Christ's love? Yeah. God, increase that even now. Everyone, even everyone who's listening to this, even months later. Mm-hmm. Uh, God, we we ask you for a unity in the body here in the Cedar Valley. Mm -hmm. We ask you for um, any quarreling or strife to cease and that you'd replace it with your peace. We ask for fellowship between each other. And we ask you for just an increase, an increasing of your presence. God, we thank you for everything you're doing in the Cedar Valley. We, We ask you that your will would be done. In Jesus' name. Yes, Lord, we just say that you are so beautiful. You are wonderful, and it's our joy to adore you and worship you and sing to you. Lord, I pray that a song would arise from each heart that's listening from the Cedar Valley. Lord, I pray that you would um, just find a people here that love you with their whole heart, all of their heart, soul, mind, and strength. God, I pray for strength to endure through difficulties. 
um, through ever, whatever comes in the future, Lord, I pray that you would strengthen your people to hold on to you, to persevere, to keep singing, to keep looking at you and praying to you. Lord, I, I ask that you would bless each one listening with, like Carl said, that wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of you, that they would see your beauty, that they would lay down they would be lay down lovers, as they say, Lord, giving everything to you because you're worthy of it. And God, I just thank you for the ways that you partner with your people, that you do things when we ask you to, that you're gracious to include us, that, that you would even make us co-heirs with Christ. Um, we love to be your priests in your house. Um, and so I pray that you would give vision, that you would um, just strengthen and, and encourage and equip your body to walk in the fullness of their destiny and be who you want us to be, God. Um, fill us with your power. Fill us with your might. In Jesus' name, God, amen. we ask you for yeah. your pastors in this area. Yeah. God, would you strengthen them? Would you set people in their congregations, give them burdens to pray for their pastors from this moment on? Yeah. And we ask you for help for shepherding and leading in the Cedar Valley. Yeah, wisdom. Wisdom, knowledge. Mm -hmm. uh, thank you. Thank you for all you've done in this place, the rich history you have in the Cedar Valley. Yeah. Bless it, Lord, increase in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for being with us. The CC Podcast is part of Christian Crusaders Radio and Internet Ministry, started in 1936 and is one of America's longest-running radio ministries. We are 100% donor-funded, and donations to our ministry are 100% tax-deductible. So if you are encouraged, challenged, or inspired by today's conversation, please consider making a donation on our website, christiancrusaders.org, or mail a check to Christian Crusaders, 7401 University Avenue, Cedar Falls, Iowa, 50613. In addition to our other podcasts, which I mentioned at the front of this episode, I want to mention two of our other ministry partners worth checking out. First, the Cedar Falls Bible Conference, equipping believers with the truth of God's word since 1922. Visit cedarfallsbibleconference.com for free access to previous conference content or for more information about upcoming events. Second is Power to Change Digital Strategies, an online ministry partnering volunteer Christian mentors with people around the world searching the internet for answers. If you or someone you know could benefit from an anonymous online conversation with a caring Christian adult, go to issuesiface.com. Or if you would like to be a volunteer Christian mentor, please visit p2cdigital.com. That's the letter P, the number two, and the letter C, digital.com. See our episode notes for details and links. And remember to subscribe, leave a five-star rating, and write a review. God's richest blessings to you. And thanks again for listening.